I'm just going to uh, look at 1 Corinthians uh, 11, uh, verses 23 to 26, and look at the meaning of communion, why we're coming to communion, just sort of illuminate the text a little bit. And then we're going to have some responsive reading that we'll do together. I'll read one part and you'll respond in responsive reading. Uh, we'll have a time of prayer where you can pray silently and you can also pray congregationally out loud for the things that, that are on your heart. And uh, so that's what we're going to do this morning. And it'll just be a little more interactive and we'll just really make this service about communion. I want us to really think about what we're doing when we come to the table uh, to have this feast with God. So let's look at 1 Corinthians 11 then. And this is the Apostle Paul that we often look at this text before we take communion. He's speaking to the church in Corinth about communion. And he says, For I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on the night when he was betrayed took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And in the same way, he also he took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. And of course, that's what we're doing this morning. Now, the first thing that I want to talk about, and as we pray, we'll be sort of praying through, if you've heard the acronym before, ACTS or CATS, whichever way you want to put it, uh, adoration, confession, thanksgiving, and supplication. And the first thing I want to look at before we come to the bread are those first two things in terms of adoration and confession, or confession and adoration. And Paul opens up here and he says, The night he was betrayed, I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that on the night he was betrayed took bread. And so it's interesting here as I'm reading this that Paul identifies this first communion, if you will, this Passover supper with Jesus and the disciples in the upper room, and Paul's introduction of it to the people of Corinth is as on the night he was betrayed. And Paul could have said at the Passover supper with the disciples or when Jesus was in the upper room or before Jesus went to the garden um, or there's lots of ways Paul could have chosen to introduce this text and to say this is when the first communion happened. But he chose to describe it descriptively as the night that Jesus was betrayed. The betrayal is key to what Paul is trying to communicate here to the Corinthians. It's key to our understanding of why we need communion. Because it's the betrayal of humanity that is the need for this new covenant in the blood. When Paul is speaking here to the Corinthians, he's speaking in the most literal sense of betrayal. He's talking the night that Jesus was betrayed historically. In other words, Jesus being identified and turned over to the guards by Judas when he was in the garden. That was the night that Jesus was betrayed. But I think the word continues to carry meaning beyond that event of just Judas's betrayal to all of mankind. Jesus was betrayed not only by Judas, but by all people. When Peter, after Jesus' ascension, when Peter speaks that first sermon in Acts chapter 3, he says to the people in Jerusalem, the God of our fathers glorified his servant Jesus, whom you delivered over and denied in the presence of Pilate. When he had decided to release him, you denied the holy and righteous one and asked for a murderer to be granted to you. So Jesus says, you betrayed Jesus. It wasn't just that Judas guy. We all here who were in the city, we all turned Jesus over 
to Pilate. Pilate was ready to let him go, and we betrayed Jesus and asked for Barabbas instead. But I think it goes beyond that even as well. The word echoes here with Paul as he's writing to the Corinthians, to the church of Corinth. He's saying, look how you take communion so frivolously. Look at how you are treating the communion meal. Are you not also betraying the ordinance that Jesus has given us? And so Paul is here saying, Corinthians, you are betraying the memory of Jesus, to put it too lightly. You're betraying the very covenant that Jesus made with us in his blood. And then the words echo beyond just Corinthians. It echoes down to us as well. Is it not our sin that held him there until it was accomplished? We've all betrayed Jesus on the night that he was betrayed. And it's while we are still enemies of God that he loved us and sent his son to rescue and redeem even betrayers. And so we sometimes use that little acrostic of acts in order to structure our prayers, and it's a good one, adoration, confession, thanksgiving, supplication. But there's actually a lot of people who prefer to arrange it as cats, confession, then adoration. And I'm not dogmatic about it. You can pray in whatever order you want to pray in. You know, I'm not going to scold you whichever way you want to do it. But confession and adoration are important places to start. We confess the truth of who we are, that we are the betrayers, that we are the ones who are in need. We confess who we are and we confess who God is. That just means we speak with our mouth the truth of who we are and who he is. And we confess our need for God in our weakness and our rebellion against him. And we pray adoration to him and to all of his qualities. When we, when we pray adoration, we're at adoring God for the new covenant, for his mercy, for his grace, for his love, for his compassion, for his justice, for his righteousness, for his purity. All these things we give God adoration for. And so as we move into this time of taking of bread, and I'm leaving lots of space here. I'm not going to talk too much on each one. We're going to take some time to confess and to adore our God in our hearts and with our mouth. And we'll start with a responsive reading, just sort of warm us up. But let's start with this responsive reading. And then after that time, then we'll have some music and we'll take the bread. Let's let's pray for the bread. Father, as... Grain is gathered from many fields into one place and made into bread. So we are gathered from many places into one fellowship. And Lord, we take this bread that represents your body that was broken and given for us. Father, thank you for this body, this bread, and the life you offer us in Jesus' name. Amen. Paul continues here in 1 Corinthians 11. And after he took the bread, and it says, and when he had given thanks, he broke it. It says, and when he had given thanks. And I I never really noticed that phrase before as many times as I've done communion and read through 1 Corinthians 11 and considered this text. I never really noticed, it said, and when he had given thanks. And I had to wonder as I was preparing for this, what, what was Jesus giving thanks for at this Passover supper? 
at this first communion? I mean, was it, was he just saying grace over the meal as we often do? Was he just praying for the food? And, and when you consider the fact that this was the Passover meal, it was the feast of Passover that Jesus was celebrating with his disciples, the bread conveyed meaning in the feast they were participating in. The bread meant something in the Passover meal. And so as Jesus is giving thanks, he's clearly not just saying grace for what they were about to eat. He was thanking God for the Passover meal, for the feast that remembers the rescue of God's people from Egypt from when they were enslaved. And every element of that meal carries with it such significance. So here, and obviously this is no accident, as the Lamb of God is going to the cross, He's going to the cross during Passover, the Passover that remembers the slaughter of the lambs and the rescue of God's people from Egypt and the salvation that God offered His people from death. And so what would Jesus be thanking the Father for? For the great plan of salvation that since before the foundation of the world, God had this plan to rescue His people through His only Son. Be thanking God for the gift of redemption that Jesus can participate in, the privilege of being the atoning sacrifice that would save sinners, not just in Jerusalem, not just sinners in Corinth, not just sinners around the world, but sinners here in Halliburton. Jesus giving thanks before this particular meal, it just... I mean, we don't have that prayer recorded, but you can just imagine what Jesus would be giving thanks for. He says He gave thanks on the night He was betrayed. His heart was thankful even as He was moving closer and closer to the cross. And so we should be more than thankful that Jesus has done what He has done for us. He says, In the same way also He took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in My blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of Me. This is what we have to be thankful for, that Jesus, even as He was drawing closer to the cross, even as He was moving closer to His death, He was thankful for what He was about to partake in. And what He was about to do is He was about to shed His blood on the cross to create a new covenant for us and for us to remember that. And so we can be thankful first for what God has already done at the cross. In the Passover supper, the the cup of wine symbolizes the blood of the Lamb that was spread on the doorposts. And where there was blood over the doorposts of the people of Israel, the angel of death passed over that house. That's why it's called Passover. Because the angel of death passed over the houses of the Israelites that had the protection of the blood over their doorpost. And by that shedding of blood, there was no destruction of death. And so what was a physical and a temporal redemption in Israel has become now in Christ a spiritual and eternal deliverance by His blood. And so in our little acrostic of acts or cats, we come to thanksgiving and supplication. And so just as Jesus gave thanks as He could be the atoning one, as He would be the blood that would set us free from death, we are thankful that God is able. We are thankful for what He has done in Christ. And we acknowledge how God is bringing our old dead lives back to life. Even if we're in a season of going to our own cross, even if we are in a season of bearing our own cross, just as Jesus was bearing and going to His cross in this season, we are still thankful that God is able, that He is trustworthy, that He is able to redeem even what seems unredeemable. That God is able to work good even in what seems evil. 
just as God was working good in what seemed evil on the cross of Christ, so we recognize that God can work to good things that seem like evil in our lives. And we'll see more of that in Joseph for sure. And then, after being thankful, we ask God to glorify Himself in hearing our prayers, that His will be done in providing for all that we ask and need. And so again, we just as we come to now the cup, and we think of our thanksgiving and our needs and asking God for the things that we need, we have a responsive reading to start, and then a time for us to give thanks to God and for God and for us to depend on God for the things that are going on in our life and in our church family and in our community and in our own lives, again, both in quiet and spoken prayers. And so we'll start with the responsive reading, and then we will move into prayers of thanksgiving and supplication. Father God, so often we are hurrying through life and don't often take the time to slow down and bring these prayers to You. So Father, I I thank You that we've had this morning to slow down our contemplation of our relationship with You, of our need for You, to confess, to adore, to thank, to ask. But Lord, most of all, we give You thanks and we adore You for the sacrifice of Your Son. We thank You for His shed blood. We thank You for this new covenant, this new relationship that is possible because what He has done. And as often as we do this, we remember until He comes again. And so Lord, we dare not forget what You have done to set us free and bring us back into relationship with You. We pray that that miracle would spread from those of us who have it, the gospel seed in us would spread to others, that they would come to know you and have the same freedom and the same joy and the same hope that we can put in the cross of Christ. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.